Okay, welcome to Tech Entrepreneurs in Nebraska. I am, or 10. I'm Shauna Dorsey with the Nebraska Tech Collaborative powered by Xarbin, and I'm here with my co-host. Well, not co-host, sorry. I'm without a co-host, but with my guest, Joe Petzik. Welcome. Uh, glad to be here. Happy yeah. to chat. Happy to chat. So 10 minutes, we don't edit or anything like that. So okay. we'll just jump into it. Let's do it. So Joe, you have been in Nebraska's entrepreneurship scene startup ecosystem for a very long time. Can you tell us like how you ended up there and yeah. then walk us through your journey a bit? Sure. So I guess I was really there before there was one, mm -hmm. if I'm being really honest. Um, uh, myself and uh, three guys in our mid-20s at the time um, had an idea to solve a problem, start a company called ProxyVid. And that was in 2001. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, there was really no ecosystem to speak of. Um, we were... We, I like to always joke that we were dumb enough not to know any better. That's why we, we decided to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but what we learned, especially in those early years, is how incredibly challenging it was on its own right, but how even more challenging it was when you didn't have people to turn to on your left and right to ask, hey, how did you solve this problem? Mm -hmm. Or how, how, how did you overcome this issue? And I bet in our first couple of years, there were at least a dozen moments that if this exact thing didn't happen tomorrow, there was no day after. Mm. And uh, we learned all of our lessons the hard way mm -hmm. and um, made about every decision as short-sightedly as you could and paid for every one of them. So uh, I like to think that the time and energy I put into the ecosystem today is really based upon trying to help people avoid all those same things that we went through then yep. and to not take for granted um, the fact that um, or for no one to really be in a position to take for granted that, that there's a support structure there now to lean into it. Yeah, that's really great. Um, I guess before you, we talked about this concept of micro mentoring and that's exactly what this sounds like, where it's like, Hey, I have a network of people who've been down this road before that I can go to ask a question, get some quick advice, but you know, something like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, and look, there was no, there was no, you know, venture capital or any capital organized around this risk profile mm -hmm. at that time. Um, we leaned heavily into our network of friends and family. Um, we were lucky enough that for the most of them, I think for each of them that wrote us a check, immediately considered that money gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it didn't change for the fact that my, my partners and I um, realized at that moment that we were no longer working for ourselves. We were working for somebody else. And it was really, um, you know, everything we did was based around making sure we were doing right by them. But what made it so difficult was that um, when you needed other resources, um, they, they weren't as available as they are today. Um, there was no real angel network. Um, you know, I think it's been talked about a lot on some of the different levels about how uh, failure is still sometimes a bad word in this neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't something that people were interested in really getting involved in because the data tells you that it's more than likely to fail mm -hmm. than it is to succeed. Um, so yeah, that made it all the more challenging. Um, the fact that there was just no infrastructure, no, no, none of these entrepreneurial support organizations that exist today, and really no people that were all that um, really grouped together to try to help solve the problems that I think we have a nice um, foundation yeah. of that here. Yeah, but point in time. definitely has changed a lot over the last couple of decades. And so just um, going back to the proxy bid story and, and the exit and how that all worked out. Yeah. So it started off, very challenging, but it became successful. So yes, um, it took us about five years, I think, to really kind of hit what 
I guess for lack of a better word, you call it critical mass. Mm-hmm. And we were really kind of supporting ourselves as a company and the company was growing uh, at a pretty rapid pace. Um, I think we went through three different office locations in a span of about 18 months. Wow. Um, every time that we thought we had planned for our future and our growth, we'd, we'd move, whether it was into a physical space or whether it was server capacity, um, we would always be surprised at how quickly we would fill it. Um, we were one of the first companies probably to do a wholesale move into the cloud mm. um, when we started. You know, you had to own your own hardware. Um, so all that stuff is really challenging in that growth process. But once we got up and running, once we turned into something, once we figure out how to best really disrupt the industry that we were um, working within, uh, things started to move um, at a really, really rapid pace. And that, that maybe had its own sets of challenges and stuff that we were just as equally unprepared for. Yeah, right. And then you um, went on to eventually sell it, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the company was acquired in 2003, um, right literally in February is when the deal closed. So the month before everything with the pandemic really kicked in and most things kind of shut down or mm-hmm. paused until people understood, um, you know, what the world we were living in was going to be looking like in the months ahead of them. So it was a challenging um, to go through that process. Um, to one degree, we had been doing it now for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we felt like there was unfinished business, so to speak. But at the same time, you know, your self-identity and everything you've done yes. has been wrapped up in this. Um, we cared greatly about our employees and our customers. and you know, you just have to, to some degree, um, have faith in that those that are going to be taking it over are going to feel the same or treat them the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of founders go through that, um, that experience. So yeah, we can spend a whole episode on that topic. We could. Um, but one other thing is that since selling in 2020, you've gone on to launch other. Correct. So yeah. Can you talk to us about yeah, so um, I'm working on two two startups today. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them uh, is called Octic. It's the kind of a um, little bit more mature of the two. Um, something that actually uh, is a j- kind of in an adjacent space to what we were doing at ProxyBid, working in the the surplus liquidation space, building technology for that space. Um, the the problem that we are solving actually came to. Uh, came into existence because the pandemic put pressure on people to realize how much more broadly they needed to expand their, their digital um, footprint in the transaction space in the surplus industries. And um, we've been able to build that company. It's interesting. It's a much different approach for me. Um, this company was built hundred percent through customer revenue funding. Um, I don't know if we'll take on capital um, where we've been in a great position to be able to do so. And it's a completely different ballgame when that's in fact the case. Yeah. But the other thing that I realized about it is how much easier it is to do the second time mm-hmm. than the first. <laughs> um, had an interesting moment actually um, a week ago where we had a really great week. We closed uh, two really big customers. We were in legal with a third, even bigger a customer of the two. Um, it was just a great time. We were excited about the work in front of us because of these customers coming on board and it all wrapped up on that Friday. And that weekend I sat around and I realized that it's the, that joy I had lasted at about five minutes. And then that whole weekend I kind of had this cloud hanging over me and it was really weird. I was trying to figure out why do I feel so, you know, so bad mm-hmm. when so many great things has happened. And I realized it was because I knew what was coming next. I understood that what these new customers coming on board meant for our business, mm-hmm. how it was going to change things and how there's a whole new set of questions that we had to come up with answers for. And my mind 
allowed myself to kind of start going there a little bit. And that was making, forcing me to do something that I did not have the capacity to do before. Right. Yeah. And then the second company is called mm -hmm. Oslo. Um, it's in the healthcare space. It's, um, much, um, uh, younger in its in its lifespan, uh, just kind of finishing a prototype for the software that's going to help um, kind of manage the chronic disease space. Um, and had the benefit of knowing uh, the guys that were kind of working on bringing it out of the ground and um, got a chance to join the team with them. And I'm really excited about what that has with that, the possibility that has in front of it, just as much as I am what we're doing at Octic. That's awesome. And just a hot, just a moment on Octic. So that that point where you have two deals closed, one one close yep. and then just jumping to here's all of the upcoming potential yes. challenges. Do you think that it's important for founders to enjoy those moments of success? And I mean, not like rest there, but at least enjoy it. hundred mm percent. -hmm. And one thing we did a really bad job in at Proxbit because we were so nervous about what was next. So a little bit different problem, but kind of same way of thinking is that you really have to um, pick those moments to know where to celebrate your successes. Right. Right. It's important for yourself, for your team. Um, it's so easy to get caught in the day to day and what's next and worrying about what's around each new corner. Yeah. If you don't celebrate what you wind up learning is that it becomes much more tedious, monotonous, and uh, your teams can get, um, I think they can feel that tension. Yeah. So breaking that tension is important. Agreed. Okay. We just have a few seconds left. It always goes by so fast and yes. you have many fascinating stories that we'd never didn't did not get to but one quick thing um what would you like or what do you think uh folks can do to better support the entrepreneurship or startup ecosystem so i'd say in the present mm -hmm. um they need to we need to do a better job i think each of us and promoting it and bringing people into it right mm -hmm. it's still kind of tucked away in the corner right now in our city and um i guess in this kind of corner of the state so to speak um and most people that aren't involved in it, don't necessarily always know about it. Right. So for those that um, are creators, those that do have an interest in trying to building something of their own, whether it's inside of an, an, an existing company or um, their own company, um, bring those people in. Yeah. Right. Bring them to events, talk to them about what's going on, introduce them to people. Um, that could be something that could in the just could help all of us in the present. Love it. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Always fun to talk. <laughs>